G'day, g'day guys. Now before we dive into today's show, I want to let you know that some of you may be aware that over the past eight years, I have built a substantial multifamily real estate portfolio here in the US worth over half a billion dollars. And in that time, my passive investors have received fantastic double digit returns. And now you too can invest directly into my deals for as little as $50,000. So if you're an interested investor, head over to reedgoosens.com to find out more. That's reedgoosens.com. Now back into the show. If you think through the psychology of money and what money really means once you get past money, right? Um, we're we're accessing money to be able to, I think, you know, achieve four different freedoms. One being freedom of time, right? To have the time that you want to have in life. You want to have freedom of purpose to wake up every day and be fascinated and motivated about what it is that you're actually doing. Um, you wanna have freedom of relationship to choose the people that you wanna work with, right? And of course you wanna have freedom of money to create experiences and impact in your life and do all those things that you really wanna do. Right. So when you really kind of understand that, right, at, at a deeper level of what you're trying to achieve, you know, then you can start to build a strategy about how to achieve that. Welcome to Investing in the US, a podcast for real estate investors, business owners, and aspiring entrepreneurs looking to break into the US market. Join Reid as he interviews go-getters, risk-takers, and the best in the business about their journey towards financial freedom and the sheer joy of creating something from nothing. G'day, g'day, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another cracking edition of Investing in the US podcast. From Los Angeles, I'm your host, Reed Goosens. Good as always to have you with us on the show. Now, I'm glad that you've all tuned in to learn from my incredible guests, and each and every one of them are the cream of the crop here in the United States when it comes to real estate investing, business investing, and entrepreneurship. Each show, I try and tease out their incredible stories of how they have successfully created their businesses here in the US, how they've created financial freedom, massive amounts of cash flow and ultimately created extraordinary lives for themselves and their families. Life by design, as I like to say. Hopefully, these guests will inspire all of my cracking listeners, which are you guys, to get off the couch and go and take massive amounts of action. If these guys can do it, so can you. Now, as you know, I'm all about sharing the knowledge with my loyal listeners, which is you guys, and there's absolutely no BS on this show, just straight into the nuts and bolts. Now, if you do like this show, the easiest way to give back is to give us a review on iTunes, and you can follow me on Facebook and Twitter by searching at Reed Goosens. You can find the show wherever you podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and Google Play, but you can also find these episodes up on my YouTube channel. So head over to reedgoosens.com, click on the video link, and it will take you to the video recordings of these podcasts where you can see my ugly mug but the beautiful faces of my guests each and every week. All right, enough out of me. Let's get cracking and into today's show. Today, 
Today on the show, I have the pleasure of speaking with David Walcott. Now, Dave has started his career by serving the country as a captain of a Marine Corps. And in 2000, he and his wife brought triplets into the world, which really inspired him to challenge the traditional ways of thinking around financial planning. Today, Dave is an author, podcast host, and founder and CEO of Pathion Investments. And he's really passionate about helping other entrepreneurs build wealth passively by investing in superior real estate and alternative assets by providing predictable cash flow, tax efficiency, and upside potential as a reliable alternative to the volatility of the stock market. I'm really pumped and excited to have him on the show today to share his incredible knowledge and insight with us. But enough out of me, get it. Let's get him out here. G'day, Dave. Welcome to the show. How do you do today, mate? Hey, Reed. Good to be here. Grateful to connect with you and the listeners. Yeah, well, uh, it's been a minute. I was just talking a little bit in the green room. Uh, it sounds like you've got some awesome stuff going on, which I really, really want to dive deep into in and around your platform that you're building. But before we get into that, can you rewind the clock and tell me how you made your first ever dollar as a kid? Yeah, the first one was really uh, doing landscaping gigs uh, around my neighborhood. Uh, I remember just taking my lawnmower <laughs> down the street and you know, you get 20 bucks uh, a lawn and before you know it, you start getting some recurring revenue uh, with repeat customers. And that was really uh, my first entree uh, into entrepreneurship. Walk us through the life that you led up up until um, you know 2000 and that sort of challenging around your financial planning. You, 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 I mentioned that you're in the Marine Corps. So did you grow up in and around money and, and what was your relationship like uh, with money growing up? Yeah, so Reed, um, probably like a lot of listeners out there, right? I was raised in a middle-class family, grew up in Connecticut, and I was told that the recipe for success was to go to school, get good grades, you're going to get a job and everything's going to kind of work out, right? So so I followed down that path and um, got into the Marine Corps got a chance to serve with some amazing people, travel the world, uh, phenomenal experience, and then really you know, learn some things um, in the Marine Corps they don't really teach you anywhere else, things such as leadership, teamwork, and integrity. Right. So um, after I completed, uh, you know, the Marine Corps uh, and college uh, through that, I transitioned in the corporate world, got into the tech industry um, and we started to raise a family at the same time. So we had an 18 month old and I know you have a newborn as well, too, so you can appreciate. So we had, we had an 18 month old. And then on October 24th, 2000, uh, my wife and I hit the baby lottery and literally had triplets. So our life came became quite chaotic. Uh, we quadrupled the size of our family. And the first thing I did read was I was really concerned about, you know, financial security for my family. I mean, you know, even back then they're talking about, you know, it's a million dollars per kid to raise your kid. I mean, how am I going to really build wealth? And, you know, sat down with my financial planner and all he could tell me was, you know, just max out your 401ks, put your money in 529 plans for the kids and, you know, build up this, you know, big nest egg. And I think the entrepreneur in me at that point just got so frustrated with that average advice and I knew I could do better. So I really wanted to solve the problem of how are the top 1% really building their wealth? Because I knew it wasn't as a retail investor in the stock market. So from that point on, I started investing in alternative assets, um, everything from oil and gas, uh, raw land, retail, multifamily, office, all kinds of different asset classes. 
And then I also transitioned to the B side of the cash flow quadrant, became a business owner, uh, started my own tech uh, consulting business, uh, ran that for 13 years, exited that and learned a lot about taxes there and running businesses. And so fast forward to today, uh, 20 years later, and my book is really kind of an instantiation of all of my learning lessons, right, on how to, you know, really create a system and a strategy around building wealth, right? It's not just one thing. It's about this overall process of really how you build wealth. Yeah, no, I, I love that. And thank you for sharing that background with us. And, and I want to get into the book uh, in a minute, but what what was the... Did you just stumble across alternative assets? Because it's not just like everyday people talk about it, right? Particularly 20 years ago when, when you sort of had that uh, the epiphany. You know, you were, no one was talking about commercial real estate. No one was talking about oil and gas. No one was talking about these things outside the stock market. So where did you go to get educated on that back in the day? No, 100%, Rita. I mean, there weren't great podcasts like this or YouTube videos or resources or groups of people. But I, you know, I, it was through the course of reading, right? I, I was reading and I, and I happened to read Kiyosaki's books actually just after they came out. I mean, this was like 99. And so, you know, we're looking at single family rentals. We we're living in Denver at the time. I mean, I can literally remember to this day, you know, bribing the kids, four kids in the back of a car with lollipops while we're trying to go investigate properties right and then at nighttime try to do you know you know run the numbers and pencil something but you know i could not make that work so it was a process of you know really networking meeting other people continuing to learn on that process and i think you know the uh, you know, the purple pill Kiyosaki's books, right, were, were really uh, a massive paradigm shift for a lot of people. Uh, but to, but it was very conceptual, right? And it was like, okay, this is a great idea that you can get into some of these alternatives, but but what do I do, right? How do I create a business? What kind of business should I be in? I, you know, what about taxes, right? How, how do I get access to these different investment properties? But eventually um, I ended up through networking, uh, meeting a private equity guy uh, who is actually in uh, the Texas region. And, um, you know, that was my first real foray into uh, private. So I started working with him and then continually, you know, building out my network from there. I love what you said there about Robert Kiyosaki's book because it, I picked that up book up back in 2009, so many years after you. But it, conceptually, it's great, right? And it was such a you know, get, it invokes so much thought to go out and challenge the traditional norms of of how we go out and make money. But to your point, doesn't really give you the sort of the blueprint, right? You know, taxes, how, the how to, which I found it myself was 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 kind of challenging. It was sort of teasing you a little bit to say, yeah, well. This is what you can do, but like, well, go on, tell us what do we do next? You know, and then get that the business of writing books and getting him into the, the the coaching of what Robert Kiyosaki does. But I had the same experience where it's like, okay, there's this great idea about you know the the, the cash flow quadrant moving into the investor status through business owner or self-employed or employee and understanding the different relationships between how that all affects you and your income and the way you earn your income. Um, but going out and doing it, you know, it, it, it takes. 10,000 hours, right, in whatever direction you choose. So it's interesting to hear 20 years later after you've gone down this path, how much diversification you've, you've, you've come across. Um, my, my question to you is, does, has, have you had more clarity in that around being diversified and, and 
you know, being like a surfer and pivoting and, and not just like sticking with one asset class? Is, is that, has that been good for you or has that been, I assume it has been, but in the beginning, I, I know a lot of people start out and say, I'm just going to do real estate. I'm just going to do X, Y, Z. You seem to be able to have, you know, navigated a, a wide range of different alternative asset classes. How has that gone down in the evolution or, or, or the decision-making process around that uh, in, over the last 20 years? Yeah, good question, Reed. Um, so I really consider myself a wealth strategist and a professional investor before I am, you know, just a real estate investor, right? And it's really interesting because, you know, if you think through the psychology of money and what money really means, once you get past money, right, um, we're we're accessing money to be able to, I think, you know, achieve four different freedoms. One being freedom of time right? To have the time that you want to have in life. You want to have freedom of purpose to wake up every day and be fascinated and motivated about what it is that you're actually doing. Um, you want to have freedom of relationship to choose the people that you want to work with, right? And of course, you want to have freedom of money to create experiences and impact in your life and do all those things that you really want to do, right? So when you really kind of understand that, right, at, at a deeper level of what you're trying to achieve, you know, then you can start to build a strategy about how to achieve that, right? Why I like, you know, real estate and why, you know, this is a huge asset class. If you actually look at the ultra high net worth, you look at uh, Tiger 21, their portfolio allocations, right? It's real estate and private, you know, alternatives are over 50% of their portfolios. And the reason is because of really because of three things, I call it the trifecta of investing. It's they've got tax efficiency, they've got consistent passive income, and they've also got forced appreciation where you can drive value into an asset. Right. So we're all familiar that with that on the you know real estate side and value add and how that works. Uh, but there's some other asset classes out there that are really quite compelling uh, that can do the same thing. And also around, you know, I also look at investments from basically the macroeconomic standpoint, you know, so for instance, we have an oil and gas fund uh, we were talking about earlier. And, you know, if you think back to Maslow's hierarchy of needs right at the base level, You've got food, shelter, energy, water, right? We need energy for everything in this world, whether you're in Australia, uh, you're in New Zealand or wherever you live or whatever industry you're in, right? The demand for that is just only growing, right? So so we like to um, invest in assets where there's a growing demand, right? And the fundamentals, you know, really make sense. And then from an investor, again, you know, looking at different things, you know, such as in that case, you know, 100% of your investment is actually tax deductible against active income, right? So that's huge. I mean, we've got a lot of high income earners uh, in our investment group. So being able to provide a solution for them um, is really huge. Let's let's go down the path of oil and gas. I've actually never had anyone on the show talking about it. So I'm, I'm very interested to draw the parallels uh, between those three you know, pillars you sort of talk about, tax efficiency, uh, consistent cash flow and forced depreciation. Because we obviously talk about real estate here. We talk a lot about real estate, a lot about you know, forced depreciation and the reason you get involved in hard assets. But let's just from the from the, the high level start with maybe some of the similarities and then we'll, we can get into maybe some of the perceived risks of oil and gas, you know, given 
the boom and you always hear about the boom and bust. And I don't want to get into the negative just yet, but let's go on the positive. So do you want to just walk us through how, what are the similarities between real estate and then some of those tax efficiencies you, you just mentioned? Yeah, well, it's it's a very interesting asset class. So one thing is, Reed, that you know we've aligned with an operator partner that has a very similar approach to multifamily value add. That's kind of their unique differentiator in the marketplace uh, because the CEO, he's a fourth generation oil guy, and one of his good friends was a multifamily guy. Right. So seven years ago, he kept talking to him about all the benefits of multifamily. And then he said, you know, his light bulb moment was, hey, I'm going to create that in the oil and gas industry. So typically in oil and gas, you know, there's different levels that you can play at, at the front end of it is much more speculative uh, where, you know, there might be wildcatting or a lot of, you know, just just kind of drilling right, um, you know, on that front end, which is more of like a, you know, R&D kind of, you know, perspective, right? And that's higher risk, but higher uh, return as well. Um, in this case, what we're doing is we go after what's called PDP, which is uh, proven uh, production, right? Proven developed production. So you can, it, we actually know uh, through 3D seismology that there is oil underground in a particular area. It's just a matter of, okay, how can we extract it and then optimize it, right? Because once you get to, um, you know, peak flow, right that's when you know this thing starts really cash flowing uh, super well uh, one thing that's also you know unique about this asset class is it is a depleting asset right so as you're pulling oil out of the ground right your reserves are actually you know getting lower and lower so that's kind of the business model in this case is that you know we're drilling for oil and we actually have a split between 50-50 gas and oil, which provides a nice natural hedge there because the two prices aren't always necessarily correlated. Um, and then from there, the idea, I mean, you know, typically in oil and gas, um, like pension funds are usually going after these because it's steady income, right? They're just driving the income play from it. Uh, they're getting the tax deduction from it. Um, but then eventually, you know, the wells kind of dry out. In our case, what we're doing is proving up these wells, you know, create, you know, just really optimizing the assets. And then we can sell that to buyers, either an upstream buyer, like a larger production uh, player, like ConocoPhillips or something, uh, or one of these pension funds who's more of an income type buyer. And there's transactions that are happening, you know, there's probably 20, 30 of them every day or every month, sorry. Um, you know, across the industry. So it's, you know, th that's kind of the process of, of really, you know, what's happening. Uh, but again, it's a unique model in this case uh, with the operator we work with. And you mentioned risk earlier. It seems like it's towards the more exploratory risk. You've got a scale of one to 10, 10 being a stabilized sellable asset to a pension fund. Where would you fit? Say a four, four to four to six on that range, because you're coming in, having to, are you drilling and then getting to that peak flow that you sort of said, and then, then sort of stabilizing it and then selling? Is that where you sort of fit in? I, I think it's much more around the seven in terms of seven, okay. Uh, okay. you know better on risk because, like I said, we're going after this PDP. So we know there's mm -hmm. oil underground. Mm -hmm. It's not just mm -hmm. wildcatting, right? Which is which is much more exploratory in nature. We know that there's oil underground, so we're trying to you know go after that. And like I said, the technology has come along so far 
these days. I mean, this 3D seismology reports, and we've seen, you know, lots of production reports where, you know, you know, things are there and you just have to, you know, you have to be able to, to access it. And the other thing I find really unique as well, Reed, so similar to, um, you know, a multifamily property, right, where you, you'll have a third party appraiser come and value the asset, right? Well, we do the same thing in oil and gas where there's a third party appraiser that based upon that PDP value, and then there's also something called PUD, which is proven undeveloped production. So that land actually has value on its own too, because you know it's the potential to be able to access oil under there. So the P PDP and PUD values are actually valued by a third party appraiser um, and really substantiate you know the asset of what we're going after and the overall potential value and even banks like in texas and everything banks ever actually lend based upon that value and mm. you can't get more conservative than a bank right <laughs> well well i guess by, but, <laughs> uh, depending on what bank you you're banking yeah, with, i was gonna say uh, yeah. <laughs> with yeah. svb going under yeah. um so coincidentally i'm my background's in civil engineering and i spent a uh, few years working for a mining company similar sort of stuff uh we call them rock doctors ge geologists up in the plane uh flying over vast land you know, barren land that you wouldn't even consider usable but it's great for mining and they do these very very complex modeling to determine what is beneath the earth um, from uh, a geological point of view everything from oil and gas all the way through to minerals and, and hard assets and and typically just for the listeners out there you know oil and gas come together because oil puts off a gas and you can use both if you find copper typically you find gold there's like so as you mine for certain minerals you have other, you find other minerals you know, deposits alongside of it. Just to give a little bit of bit of, bit of background, bit of context, I spent a lot of time in the jungles in Fiji uh, and in Thailand um, uh, with with uh, you know you're trying to find and, and taking core samples um, for for different mining companies. It's a, it's a completely different business. With that being said, are you doing that? Is, is the company that you're partnering up, are they going out and doing the expo uh, exploration or are they already knowing it's identified oil field, we're just going to come in and buy a right to, to mine on or yeah, yeah, it's, it's the ladder. Extract. It's the yeah, ladder. Okay. So we're, we're yep. leasing the land and part of it is a real estate play, right? Because you've mm -hmm. got, you've got to go after the land that you think has the potential. And with, mm -hmm. that's typically done through land leases through the owners, uh, uh, the, gotcha. the property owners. Yeah. Yep. So now let's talk about the benefits of and the similarity between um, the value add there, right? So you go find this lease, you go find this land, you're then coming and putting the wells on it. Is that correct? Correct. And then and then refining and then refining and then refining it correct. and then selling it off. Correct. Okay. So you're doing a soup to nuts, um, everything from putting a drill in the ground, getting it out, refining it, putting it on a truck, selling it to a assume a distributor who gets it into the pump um, down the street from where we live. Correct. Yes. Yeah, great. Awesome. That's, That's exactly it. But again, from like the investment standpoint, I mean, a lot of people just don't realize because especially if you're a real estate investor, you know, we're all understand bonus depreciation, how that works against our passive income. Um, but look, I mean, since the Reagan era, there's been really strong energy uh, incentives as well, tax incentives, right? So so 100% of this investment is actually tax deductible. 
um, mm -hmm. you know, which is really huge against, you know, W-2 active income. Um, so, you know, for a lot of high paid professionals, uh, it's a really good, you know, alternative. For those of you who are interested in staying up to date with all the latest happenings in my business, or to learn more about passively investing directly into my multifamily value-add deals, then head over to reedgoosens.com and sign up for my monthly newsletter. By signing up, you will automatically be notified about my new up-and-coming investment opportunities. You'll be able to stay up to date with all the latest real estate news here in the United States and much, much more. So head over to reedgoosens.com and sign up today. Now, back into the show. Yep, and just just so for those listeners out there, depreciation has shown up on a K one or a loss, and we just issued K ones. And sometimes investors can't access some of the depreciation because they're not full time real estate investors or or, or, or certain categorized by the IRS. And again, I'm not a CPA, but you know, I, I'm I, I'm a little bit dangerous with when it comes to to, to understanding a K one. But Dave, are you saying that? Even if you do have an active income, you can still get all the losses from that well, uh, just based on what the IRS has, has written in the code. Yeah, correct. And the way uh, we do that, the way it's structured is actually when you get your K-1, you, you actually sign subscription documents as a GP. Right, because mm. you have a working interest in the well, so you are actually a GP. So you share in, you know, the active income as well as the active losses uh, that go against that, you know. And then once uh, the fund, you know, all the capital is deployed in the fund, uh, then you get converted to an LP position uh, later. Gotcha. On. Gotcha. Because that would be my next guess. Like everyone's got to then a voting right to decide what to do uh, with the investment, which could uh, could be a, a can of worms opening that thing up. If uh, you had a hundred investors all wanting an opinion on on what to do uh, with a certain oil oil rig or not. <laughs> yeah. Let's get on to the sort of the, the the ebbs and flows of the energy industry, right? You know, we we saw barrel uh, a cost of barrel plummet. Uh, I can't remember. It was just at the beginning of the pandemic. There was ships out in the sea that they couldn't even give away the oil at you know at that stage. How much volatility is in around that to protecting someone's investment? And and what are you doing um, when you're actively you know looking to to buy into certain times of the market when when oil is valued and gas is valued at certain different prices? Yeah, great question, Reed. I you know really that's the biggest risk is we can't control what the prices are. You know, and they they move around all the time. Um, you know, the pandemic prices obviously cratered, like you talked about, but it's come back really strong. Um, the, but the really interesting thing is, is that you know, since the pandemic and even before that, um, this industry has not had much investment at all because there's been such a push towards all these green initiatives. Right. So that's where the money is going. That's where, you know, politically uh, people are trying to drive capital to these ESG initiatives. Um, and the industry just has not had much investment. Right. Um, and then you add on top of that geopolitical events like, you know, the war in Ukraine. Right. I mean, uh, natural gas right now in Europe. I mean, in Germany, um, you know, completely uh, short. Right. In terms of that. So. 
you know, we think that um, the timing just couldn't be better in terms of demand, um, you know, because of some of those reasons. Another reason is, I mean, you know, look at China, right? They've had one of the most stringent lockdowns that's been almost for a year. And so once they kind of come back online, um, you know, we're expecting prices to really start to, uh, you know, start to increase. Um, so I think there's a lot of, you know, geopolitical economic factors going into, you know, demand uh, for the oil. And then when you just kind of think about the fundamentals of it again, I mean, it's just petroleum based products. I mean, the the green initiatives have barely made a dent, like one to two percent with the trillions that have been put into it over the past decade, you know, in our demand. And and it's used, I mean, petroleum based products are used in everything from the microphone you're using, the headphones you're using, the computer, uh, your wife's makeup products, right? It's literally in everything. Um, and again, no matter where you live in the world uh, or what industry you're in or what you're doing, right? Um, I, I think there's just very strong demand. So I'd mm -hmm. like to be positioned there. And the other point that I'll make, Reed, which is really fascinating you know now it's really coming to light in the marketplace right the current valuation devaluation of the dollar uh right that's you know that's been happening really you know for for quite some time you know so the question is really how do you hedge against that and we've talked about hedging in commercial real estate right because you know it can be good in an inflationary environment but you know one way to think about it is if you're positioning your capital in assets that have inherent value Right. So there has been a push towards commodities right now because, you know, they have more they, they hold more value and something again like oil and gas um, is definitely whether whether we go to war, whatever happens in the economy, you know, there's there's some strong value there. It's a f physical asset um, uh, that you can. You know, it's not paper, which is what Correct. is what you're what you're trying to you know, as, yeah. as, uh, allude to. Um, you back to your point on on the the investment into alternative energies. Um, you know, I know there's been a huge push for that, and you mentioned earlier in the show that it's, it's a depleting asset. So, you know, casting forward hundred years, two hundred years, I don't, I don't, no one has a crystal ball, but there, do you see do you see it changing and with with the depletion and and um of of a of a commodity that you know people still need and want i think so right i think it's yeah. going to be much more gradual than people think i mean i know you know some states and car manufacturers they're talking about you know all green by 2030 i mean there there's just no way i mean there is no mm way and you know look i'm I, you know i'm all for the planet as well but you've got to have some reality into here right and, and i mean think about the the other thing is like natural gas for instance i mean europe actually declared it as a you know renewable energy uh source right so uh, so the, so there are some ways to you know use the energy i would say more effectively right uh, mm -hmm. for yep. you know for the environment and I've, I have seen carbon capture from oil fields start yes. to be, you know, like layering on top of green initiatives in the way in which you're extracting or catching. And I, I'm not an expert in this, but you know, just there, there are ways to sort of tick the two boxes, if that makes sense. Yes. <laughs> you can yeah. sort of, you be more effective in the way you're capturing it and then repurposing it and then putting, you know, you sort of nearly double prong in terms of producing energy because you produce it from the physical oil or gas and then through the, um, the manu not necessarily the manufacturing, but the refining of it, you can then create another source of energy, which is 
obviously renewable at that stage. So very, it's very, very interesting space and I'd love to know more about it. Um, we only have limited time with you today, but I do uh, will encourage people at the end of the show to, 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 to reach out to you. So um, with that being said, what's the plan for 2023 and beyond, uh, you know, recession wise? Uh, are you thinking that there's a recession coming? Um, how does that affect your oil and gas or any of your commercial real estate or alternative asset investing uh, perspective you know, between now and the end of the year? Yeah, great question, Reed. Um, and again, this kind of goes back to our overall holistic wealth strategy, right? Because I think the majority of people don't actually have a wealth strategy in place. But when you have a strategy in place, you can manage the peaks, you can manage the valleys, you know, based on, you know, geopolitical events, you know, economics, things that are happening. So for instance, you know, one thing we do, I know your, your listeners are probably familiar with is the infinite banking, uh, you know, policy. So we help our clients with that, right? And that takes a lot of, you know, uncertainty and creates some certainty in your operating capital. Right, you're able to create this baseline of capital reserves. Uh, plus, it's a great place to, you know, have your dry powder. Your money's growing, you know, compounding tax-free, uh, and there's, you know, a multiplier of benefits right on top of that. So that's one way that you can just remove some of that uncertainty, right? And then obviously investing in some of these asset classes that are non-correlated to the markets. And then, like I said, have, you know, um, at the base layer of Maslow's hierarchy where you have strong fundamentals that support them, you know, you're in a better position for things to be recession resistant. And also, as you look to allocate capital across your portfolio, um, you know, we're always thinking about it, you know, it's almost like, a, you know, solving problems for investors, Reed, right? And when you really think about, you know, what are investors trying to do? I mean, forget about the asset class for a second. You know, people are typically looking to, you know, offset their taxes. They're looking to create income streams, right, that, that are, are predictable. Uh, they're looking to have growth opportunities, right? Where, where you can, you know, you can grow your capital. Uh, so there's different things that are people, you know, are really trying to do. So then trying to, you know, fit some of these asset classes that can support that need. We actually have a merchant cash advance uh, fund uh, that's hmm. just rolling out that some, you know, top hedge funds are on and everything right now. And we're bringing this to our, our clients. Um, uh, it's got very compelling double digit cash flow returns. Um, and we've structured it in a way that helps, you know, both short term investors looking for income as well as you know growth investors looking for that you know income and growth um and there's just some amazing uh velocity to that fund so interesting that's a uh, i'm sure we could talk for a whole episode about that exact yeah. investment strategy because it's yeah. something that i haven't heard a lot about but um clearly it's out there and clearly people need it so with that being said uh, at the end of every show we love to dive into the top five investing tips you ready to get into it sure Mate, question number one is, what's the daily habit you practice to keep on track towards your goals? Meditation. Yep. Every day? Every day. Yep. I know. I, with the baby, it's been hard for me to, to get it back into every day, but it's uh, something that I find if my day, if I don't do it in a day, I'm, my day's slightly off. You know, it's not, you know, having that, that quiet time in the morning. I don't know when you do yours, but I do mine in the morning uh, to, to center myself before diving into the uh, the chaos uh, of running uh, running a business. So, hundred <laughs> percent. Question number two is: Who's been the most influential person in your career to date? Uh, I think that would be Dan Sullivan. 
So he's hmm. the he's the leader of um, the top entrepreneurial uh, coaching company called Strategic Coach. Uh, so I've been a me- I'm a member of their 10x group and been involved in that for six years. Uh, phenomenal insights. If you're if you're an entrepreneur, I highly recommend uh, checking out. Awesome. Question number three is what is what is the most influential tool in your business? And when I say tool, it could be a physical tool like a journal or, or a phone, or it could be a piece of software that you just can't run the business without. What is it? Wow, that's such a good question. So as part of my strategy around this holistic wealth strategy, right? I've essentially been trying to build a system out of building wealth, like we've talked mm-hmm. about. Uh, So as part of our mastermind and virtual family office, um, I have my CFO who's taken a couple um, software companies uh, public before, a very experienced guy. We've been working on a Skunk Works project around actually creating an entire entire software-based tool uh, that can, you know, manage all of your alternative investments, whether you have businesses, you're running oil and gas, you've got commercial real estate, you've got ATM syndication, all these different syndications. It's like, okay, how do I manage, you know, the, you know, performa versus, you know, what was come in? How am I managing my tax rates? Right? Um, do I have a strategy to reduce my taxes? And and where is a dashboard to do that with KPIs that aligns to my goals and values? So um, so that's uh, that's our tool that we're uh, we're creating. When's it launching? Um, actually, next month. Uh, but it's right. it's only exclusive access for our uh, our mastermind and uh, VFO clients. So. Okay. Okay. We'll, we'll get that contact at the end of the show. Question number four is in one sentence, what has been the biggest failure in your career? What did you learn from that failure? The biggest failure was in my first, my tech consulting company. We had six years of massive growth, double, triple digit growth. Uh, we had literally won the Inc. 5000 award for fastest growing company um, by like year five. And, you know, it was just all up. And um, we had a bunch of government clients and there was something happened called government sequestration where they basically put a freeze on spending. So, and this was a consulting business. So we have, you know, six figure consultants, right? On payroll. And we we went from being completely at the top of our game to being underwater, like in a process of like 90 days. It was just, it, it was crazy, something we couldn't predict. Uh, so my biggest lesson learned there was really, you know, not having all of your eggs in one basket. And again, mm. this is why, um, you know, I, I really like having a strategy, right, that also mitigates your downside and you're using things like infinite banking. So you've got capital reserves to be able to manage through through things that, you know, are unpredictable. Yeah, I love it. Yeah. It's, it's so poignant looking back on where you've that pinpointing that time where you changed and pivoted to not having all your eggs in one basket. So I think that's been definitely the underlying theme of today's today's episode. Uh, mate, last question is where can people reach you to continue the conversation? They want to be in your sphere. They want to find out what you do, want to be part of your coaching calls, all that sort of stuff. Where do they go? Yeah, absolutely. So um, our, just go to our website. If you want to learn more about the book, uh, you can go to pantheoninvest.com 
forward slash wealth hyphen strategy. And we have a book landing page there. Uh, we are, the book is actually trending number one on Amazon for financial engineering uh, in small business taxes right now. So you can pick up a copy of the book. And we've also got some bonus materials in there um, that are really cool. We have a 401k exit calculator. So hmm. if you if you exit your 401k and actually pay the penalty, which is really taboo, and you invest it in one of Reed's deals and keep doing that for the next 20 years, you can kind of see where you would, you know, compound that growth to versus keeping it in the 401k. Uh, so, the, so we got some kind of uh, fun assets in there you can check out as well. Awesome stuff, mate. Well, look, I want to thank you so much for jumping on the show today. Really appreciate your time. I just want to reflect some of the things that I took away from today's show. I think you know your purpose in and around identifying the freedom of time, the freedom of purpose, the three, freedom of decision-making and, and, and the relationships you have and the freedom of money help building what you've built today. And and just the the myriad of different experiences by the sounds you've, ha you've had over the years through starting a tech company, through investing uh, in oil and gas, all the way through to investing in commercial real estate to really make you that whole holistic investor per your book. And I definitely encourage everyone getting their hands on, on, on a copy of that book today. But I also want to thank you again for sharing some insights in and around the oil and gas industry, because it's something very, very interesting to me. I see a lot more people investing in it. And I encourage people who are in, interested maybe in oil and gas, maybe reach out to Dave uh, and his company to, to see what they can do, because I know you're a part of a board um, that that helps people invest in oil and gas. Um, so did I leave anything out here, mate? And that's a little no, something? No, that's awesome. Awesome. Just uh, really grateful for the opportunity, Reed. It's always a pleasure to connect. Uh, we've known each other for many years and, um, you know, really appreciate it. Appreciate you. And uh, thanks for the time. Mate, my pleasure. Look, I want to thank everyone for taking some time out of your day to tune in to continue to grow your financial IQ because that's what we're all about here on this show, investing in the US. If you do like this show, the easiest way to give back is to give it a five-star review on iTunes. And remember, please hit up Dave at Pathion Investing. You can Google his name um, or all the book, um, Holistic Investor, and make sure you reach out and you know just get involved with what he's doing because he's got some incredible stuff happening over on his platform. Again, we're going to do this all again next week. So remember, be bold, be brave, and go give life a crack.